Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 161 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today we're going to talk about Isaiah Thomas going to the Denver Nuggets, the big trade that happened Thursday night, and some of the other uh, free agent signings from the past couple days. Before we get underway, a reminder you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. Um, I'm melting physically, but outside <laughs> of that, good. That's good to hear. You're back on a normal sleep schedule, I'm assuming? Uh, trying to. Good. I'll say as much because the heat is is really messing up my rhythm. Like oh, I, I'm, we sleep, you know, uh, with the window right out to 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 where the sun goes up, and it's just like, like every morning at five. Oh boy, it's so hot in there that you just you can't. So I'm actually considering just moving the entire bed into the living room. <laughs> well, geez, get me more excited about coming to Denmark next week. Damn. Oh yeah. No, well, you're staying at a hotel. That's true. So. That will definitely be, and you're staying right at the water. That's also true. Yeah, I'll get some a nice breeze going. Hopefully, yes, you will. Yes, yeah. you will. And 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 if not, you know, just drink beer. <laughs> right. That that always cools me down. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was asking about the sleep schedule because you know it, it had been pretty quiet. We were actually planning to do a summer league pod today, uh, and then so I sent an email to you last night, and then like literally 45 minutes afterward. Woj bomb, woj bomb, woj bomb. So we got, mm-hmm. you know, Thursday. This is we recorded this on Friday. Yesterday was my four-year wedding anniversary. So I was out to dinner with my wife, and I get the shams bomb about David Nwaba getting his qualifying offer resigned. And the first thing I think is just like, oh my god, I'm so excited to check Twitter when I get home and see more more feed because I'm sure he's just gonna be pissed. Rescinded. Unfortunately, yeah. not re- resigned. Oh, yeah. I wish. Oh, sorry. Did I say resigned? Yes, rescinded. Yeah. yeah uh, just thank you, Brian, because just getting my hopes up there for a second. Like, did I miss right. a report? No. Right. Yeah. Rescinded. <laughs> no. Yes. Rescinded. Yeah. Um, and then, so I, I get home and, you know, things are. I, I let the dog out. I'm going to go to sleep early. When I'm with the dog, I get the first one about Isaiah Thomas. I'm like, all right, this is fine. I can still. I'll, we'll just talk about this in the morning. And then, like, I am getting ready for bed, and then I get the one about Jeremy Lin, and then I get the one a minute later about the Fareed and Daryl Arthur dump, and then I'm then I'm like, all right, I'm staying up till three o'clock. 
So yeah. basically, the that's moral, my life. Yeah. The moral of the story is uh, it's a miracle. I've been married four years and my wife is a saint. And uh, yeah, she came downstairs at three in the morning and was like, what, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, Oh, you know, that that's like my wife is used to that. If I go to bed at 6 a.m., she's like, <sighs> okay, honey, that's, that's, that's nice. Did, did, did Voge tweet anything? Yeah. No. Okay. We're both. You didn't? So you just wasted a whole night? Yeah. Okay. I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're both very lucky men is the moral oh, yeah. of the story. But oh, yeah, yeah let's, let's go into the first of the three Woj bombs that dropped. Isaiah Thomas to the Denver Nuggets on a one-year, $2 million veteran minimum deal. Hardly the Brinks truck moment that he expected last summer. But mm-hmm. what do you think about that move? What, you like it for the Nuggets? I mean, how could you not? Yeah. It's Isaiah Thomas at the minimum. That's a I mean, that's ridiculous value, and honestly, I think he's dramatically underpaid. Yeah, I, I, I get that the market set the price and everything, but he's obviously a lot better than than a minimum deal. Right. So for for Denver to to get him in there, and just be another <laughs> scorer slash facilitator, like they are so gonna have the best offense in the league next year. Yeah, it's it's uncanny. Um, yeah, I I don't want to give him like major minutes in front of Jamal Murray because I right. think his his development is just so crucial. But having the luxury of having an, an Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench when you need buckets is is just fantastic. Yeah. He's going to win six man of the year next year, right? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I hope he does. That would reset his value a little bit. Because like, Will Barton is now going to move into their starting lineup because Wilson Chandler right. got traded. So they need that kind of microwave scorer. Like I, I agree with you. It sucks for Isaiah that he's, you know, if I'm Denver, I am not starting Isaiah Thomas. I agree that Jamal Murray is the future. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris is going to be one of the best backcourts in the league if they're mm-hmm. not already. So like you need to continue developing those guys alongside one another. That said, their backup point guard situation left a lot to be desired. Now they have an Isaiah Thomas who, you know, get your jokes off, but like. A year ago, he was fifth in MVP voting. He had 27 points a game. Like, he's he is a liability on defense, yes. He will be picked on relentlessly in the playoffs, yes. But he gives them another, like, explosive scorer next to, I mean, all five of their starters can also really pour in points. Murray, Harris, mm-hmm. Barton, Jokic, Millsap. Like, their top six is really effing loaded. So Completely. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the move for Denver. I I mean, I just, I feel genuinely bad for Isaiah Thomas because had he become a free agent last summer, right? I, you know, he's probably looking at a $100 million deal yeah. or close to it. It's just like, it's so crappy that the luck of the draw for free agency is just like, if you were a free agent in 2016, you cashed in. If you were a free mm-hmm. agent in 2018, you more likely got screwed. And that sucks. Yep. Absolutely. Um, though I, I will say, he's still getting two million. So yeah. like for the average Joe, like right. <laughs> you know. But I, I get catch your drift, and I agree. I mean, obviously, one hundred million would have been much preferable. <sighs> yeah, uh, he'll he'll earn some of it back in what about to become a true insane twenty nineteen summer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna write about it before I I leave because I'm just like I I'm looking ahead. And there are maybe, maybe six guys who deserve max contracts next summer. And that includes Kevin Durant, 
and Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. There are, I think, more than a third of the league can create max space. A couple teams can create double maxes. So we're going to have a situation where there are going to be way too many teams, way too few max guys. They're all going to be left at, like, the you know, if if Jimmy Butler and uh, Kyrie decide to play together, if that rumor is true, and they go to, like, the Clippers or the Nets or something, then that's two maxes on one team. Like, it, it's we're set up for a situation where a lot of desperate teams overpay these, like, second- and third-tier guys. But I also mm-hmm. think, like, the market is just going to be so bloated because so many guys have taken one-year deals that there are going to still be a bunch of guys who get left out in the cold again. And yep. I, I hope, for Isaiah Thomas' sake, that he is not that, because this probably, hopefully he comes back from the hip injury, and, like, you know, he he was better with the Lakers than he was with the Cavs. The Cavs stint was an absolute disaster. He says he's pain-free now, so hopefully, like, a year removed from this hip injury, he can rehab his value in Denver. They're going to play at a fast pace. He's going to put up a lot of points. Hopefully he gets that one big deal, because he's already, what, coming on 30. Like, this is probably his last chance for like a big multi-year deal. So, right. you know, I, like, I, I just, I really hope for his sake that he does play well and for Denver's sake that he plays well because it, I mean, I, you know, we, you, we made our jokes about the Brinks truck thing. Like, if, if a team gave him a five-year max deal last summer, that was going to be a mistake. But, like, you said it. He's better than a $2 million player. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you know who the winner is going to be next year? Who? Like after the, the the team that stays, you know, logical oh, yeah. Yeah. and doesn't overpay for someone. Like yeah. the, a team that reads what's going on and goes, you know what? I'm not gonna go crazy for, you know, a seventh man and right. pay him twenty five million a year. Yeah, the team that like waits until July tenth to make their first signing. Right. Yeah. Because that's what I mean. It's gonna be. In a weird way, it's going to be a reprise of 2016 where you you have guys like Evan Turner and Kent Bazemore and uh, Mozgov, Dang, Noah all getting overpaid. But it's going to happen quickly. And you're right, the teams that sit out that first wave, there is still going to be a lot of role players and rotation players deserving of big contracts that, you know, once that cap space starts to dry up, they're going to get desperate again. So, yeah, Mm. it's going to be... Uh, it's not going to be a good summer to have cap space if you're not a contender. I'll say that much. Um, so, are you saying the Bulls' plan of of just hitting a home run in 2019 is is invalid? Uh, we'll get to the Bulls later. <laughs> <laughs> At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything, from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Uh, let's go to the Atlanta side of things next because that was yes. also... Uh, there was some confusion on Twitter when this deal broke. So the Nets traded Jeremy Lin to Atlanta for a 2020 second round pick and the rights to Isaiah Cognier. If I said that right, I think I'm... Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, Woj said he's probably never going to come over. They gave up a 2025 second round pick and the rights to swap 2023 second rounders as well just to get Lin's salary off their books. 
Um, and then the Nets use that space to acquire Kenneth Reed, Darrell Arthur, a top 12 protected 2019 pick, and a 2020 uh, second round pick from Denver. They sent out Isaiah Whitehead, who the Nuggets are going to waive. So let's let's look right. at it from the Hawks' perspective first, because I think the big question that I saw on Twitter last night was, well, if the, Haw- the Hawks had the cap space to just... They didn't need to have Brooklyn as an intermediary. Why did they not just take Fareed and Arthur and get the pick from Denver? Because they wanted Jeremy Lin. I, I think, yeah, I think it's that simple. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're actively shopping Dennis Schroeder. Mm-hmm. Having a, another point guard there is necessary because you can't, you know, trot out Trey Young and play him thirty eight minutes a game, right? Like, and and Jeremy Lin, like we've forgotten about him because he's been injured. Mm-hmm. He's good. Yeah, he's yeah. actually good. Like he's he's a he's a perfectly capable pick and roll player. He can shoot a little bit. He can drive. He's got weird hair and will will have a huge <laughs> fan base following, which the Hawks are in sore need of. Yeah. This is just a low gamble. Yeah. Or a low-risk gamble, I should say. Right. It, I, I think you're, you're spot on with the Schroeder thing. Like, this is a precursor to a Schroeder move. They wanted to have a point guard in place. So, as you said, Trey Young's not playing 38 minutes a night. Devil's advocate argument is, okay, you could probably get a point guard like a cheap veteran point guard and not have to spend $12.5 million on Jeremy Lin and, you know, get a first-round pick out of Denver instead. So, you know, there, there are arguments both ways. I think for Atlanta, they have a bunch of potential picks coming their way anyway. They already just spent three this year on young Kevin Herter um, and Omari Spellman. Like, there's only so many young guys they can have at one time. So maybe mm. they're... You know, maybe maybe they're like looking down the line, and they're saying like, "All right, we we don't necessarily need a 2019 first round pick that is more than like more likely than not to be in the late teens, early 20s. Like, we just don't value that as much as Jeremy Lin's leadership. They can always right. flip him again. I mean, there's nothing preventing them from dumping him at the deadline. You know, if they're looking ahead to free agency in 2019 and they're saying we're not you know we, we aren't realistically going to be contenders for Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or Kawhi Leonard they could flip Lynn at that point to a Houston or to the Lakers for Dang for Ryan Anderson spend an extra year of their cap space and get more right. assets that way so I, I think we just need to like grade Atlanta as an incomplete basically yeah, I mean, or, or just grade them appropriately, which to me is a B. They get yeah. a good player. Yeah, And I mean, I know, I mean, when you look at the grand scheme of things, it doesn't fit in terms of their, their where they are in the rebuilding process. All that, it's fine. I get it. But you, you still got one hell of a player for virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. I cannot look at that and go, oh, that's a loss or an incomplete. That, that's a win. That's yeah. a win. The thing is, if they want to lose next year... Then obviously you're looking at it from a different perspective. Right. Thing is, do they want to lose? Do we know that? <laughs> Some teams just do things that are quite illogical. Yeah, I mean that's what I thought the Pacers were doing last year, and look how that worked out. Yeah, like the East is 
that seven and eight spot in the East is so soft. It's wide open. Yeah, they're they're like the top six are pretty sealed in with like Boston, Toronto, Philly in the top three, and then Washington, Indiana, Milwaukee, four, five, six in some order. Maybe there's some flipping in there, but like I feel confident in those six teams, mm-hmm. barring catastrophic injuries, making the playoffs. But after that, like I have no co- Miami probably, Charlotte, mm, yeah. Detroit maybe probably but like yeah it could be like yeah. it wouldn't totally shock me if atlanta turned out to be a 35 win team <laughs> right and that could be enough <laughs> yeah that's true uh okay let's look at the brooklyn perspective now because i wrote a thing i think it's online already or it will be shortly at b-ball breakdown this is what i stayed up until 3 i'm writing just because Sean Marks is like, he's my spirit animal. He's just, <laughs> he's he's really, it's like the ghost of Sam Hinkie had departed yep. Philadelphia and just walked up to Brooklyn and has taken over that Nets team. Like, it, I do, we'll go back to this, but like, I do wonder why the perception is different of what Marks is doing and what Hinkie did. Um, you know, because like Hinkie caught so much backlash, but Marks seems to be getting off kind of scot-free, but we can revisit that, but you know, getting, like you said it, Jeremy Lin's a productive player, but, like, this is just what Sean Marks does. He uses his cap space, he picks up additional first-rounders, picks up second-rounders. Like, it's just, this is what rebuilding teams should do. I don't know how many times we can say it, but if you're a rebuilding team, there is no point in, like, chasing mediocre role players and signing them to long-term deals unless you are looking to do it to flip them later, which is... Right. Effectively, what he did with Jeremy Lin, he he signed Lin to a three-year, thirty-six million dollar deal. He did it with Trevor Booker, two years, eighteen million. Like he he did that in the summer of twenty sixteen. He didn't overpay those guys. He just knew we need contracts that we could eventually flip for salary matching purposes. Use those to get more picks. Rent out our cap space for a year or two when it doesn't matter. Again, we're not going to be free agent players. No team, no like top tier guy is going to come to the. 25 win Brooklyn Nets it's just not going to happen so get more draft assets now the Nets like finally we are past the Billy King disaster the Nets Mm -hmm. have all of their own first round picks moving forward now they also have this Denver pick they've drafted pretty well you know all things considered like for what they've been the hand they were dealt getting guys like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen in recent years, like they've drafted well in the late teens, early twenties. So I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what happens with this Nets team now. Yeah, that's this just two incoming picks. Okay, so the Denver pick might not be very high because they project to be very good. So top twenty maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that's fine. That's just an additional first rounder. We've seen what teams can do with multiple first rounders. It gives them some flexibility. You can move up in the draft. You can stay and get two rookies and see if one of them just pans out, which is really the same hinky method. Like, get as many sh- chips in as you can. Some will fail. Some won't. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's how it is. And uh, Sean Marks, to his credit, has understood that and, and is going all the way. To answer your question regarding, like, the perception, I think he's just less blatantly open about the tanking part. Yeah. Mostly because they haven't had to tank. Right. Because of that horrible trade. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think that's really the only difference. And then the league, you know, going with the whole, oh, well, we know their situation. We feel kind of bad for them. So, 
you know, whichever way they're going to acquire assets or acquire talent, we're sticking behind them, which is, <laughs> yeah, like you can argue that, like that mentality, but yeah, I, I think there, there's some leeway from them, um, or some leniency, I should say, mm-hmm. because of the situation that Billy King put them in. Yeah, and I, I think that's fair, because as you said, they, they have not had the incentive to tank for multiple years because they haven't had their own first rounders, so that gives them no reason to try to make their first rounders better if anything they have less incentive to tank and like yeah in their defense again they they have signed veterans land booker etc uh boyan bogdanovich you know they they flipped those guys like they flipped all three of those guys they flipped Thad young and they turned them into picks which is again the right thing to do um but yeah I, I, you're you're probably right it's just uh you know, it's not like Sam Hinkie inherited a gold mine here. Like he came in I right agree. after the Andrew Bynum trade. It's just, it's funny the the difference in perception. But look, I, he died for every sin. That's true. Right? For and if, every sin moving forward. If he was gonna be reincarnated in Sean Marks' body, that's cool. I'm happy. Like that. I mean, my, this Nets team, like they're they're not gonna be good next year. They're not gonna be good the year after. But like they are laying the foundation to be very good down the line they're gonna have a lot of cap space next summer (laughs) not to not to revisit this 2019 talk but like all four of the lakers the clippers the nets and the knicks are gonna have some major cap space Mm -hmm. so if we're talking about like guys being drawn to premium markets we that situation is gonna repeat itself next year like you know going back to jimmy butler and kyrie irving if they want to team up together there's a world in which the Nets could get both of those guys. And that's why they're not going to tank. Yeah, right. And also, are we absolutely 100% certain that these Nets can't make the playoffs in the East? Oh, no. You're doing it again. You're buying in the Nets again. Yeah, I am. Yes, I'm, I'm absolutely certain the Nets will not make the playoffs in the East. Hmm. We'll re- revisit that one, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah. When we do our Atlantic Division preview, maybe you'll convince me. All right. Um... All right, so from the Denver side of things, I mean, the the logic is clear. They just wanted to get under their the luxury tax. They dumped mm-hmm. Wilson Chandler earlier. They needed to dump Farid and Arthur to get far enough under uh, that. There, I saw someone tweet out that there's like $5 million in unlikely incentives for guys like Jokic, I think Millsap, and there was one other guy, uh, Gary Harris. So, like, they needed to give themselves... An additional, I think they have like eight, almost nine million, uh, to get to the luxury tax right now. So they needed to give themselves like a big buffer just in case yep. all of those guys hit their incentives. But what do you think about this? I saw, you know, again, some criticism last night or just some people saying, like, well, you know, it's your owner's job to pay the luxury tax. Why are you giving up an asset just to duck it for one year? Where do you stand on that? I get it. I, I don't think you should end up in a situation where you have to sacrifice assets just to get out of some monetary issues. Having said that, you know there there are differences in in NBA ownership. Some are significantly richer or wealthier mm-hmm. than others, so that plays in. Uh, and and simultaneously, you could also argue that at least the Nuggets are doing something accurate in the sense that the guys that they're paying big money. Are at least worth it. Mm-hmm. Like even Paul Millsap. Like yes, he's overpaid given the age that he's in, but like he's still highly effective, highly highly impactful. Like he's not a net negative. Right. 
So they've spent well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's they they haven't just they haven't signed an Evan Turner or an Jan Mahimi. Right. So their money are, are is well distributed, well, which I think counts for something. Plumley wasn't great. Plumley wasn't great, but for the most part, yeah. they've invested pretty wisely, right? Right. right but no, right. I, I I overall I agree. I don't think it's a problem unless you become you know one of the repeater tax team. Mm-hmm. Like if you go into that and you're in the tax so frequently that you have to pay up more, mm-hmm. that's an issue. Like yeah. those are that's only like the major market teams like the Knicks mm-hmm. and the Lakers that can handle that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I get the criticism, but like everyone saw this coming. Like yeah, obviously, obviously. So you know, it, you could maybe take issue with like only being able to top twelve protect that twenty nineteen first. Maybe you'd rather it like lottery protect or like top eighteen, but. No teams taking on twenty million dollars without a you know a lightly protected first. Like I think this is mm-hmm. if your entire mission was to get under the luxury tax, this is realistically probably the best you could do. Um, yeah, I mean I get it. Like it'd be great if you could just say like all billionaires should just pay the luxury tax and that should be that. But as you said, that's not reality. Like. You know, we can <laughs> we could go into the economic side of things, but that's just not it's not feasible for a lot of these small market teams, especially. So I get the criticism. If if it became a habit, that's one thing. If it's just like a one time thing and Matt Moore of the Action Network, who lives in Denver, is like close to the team. He was going through the, the Denver logic last night and he's basically saying, like, look, Denver's got a lot of really young players like they're most of their core you know, Jokic, Murray, Harris, you got guys on the bench like Malik Beasley, Tyler Lydon, mm-hmm. Trey Lyles, like all those guys are really young already. There just isn't really room in the rotation anyway. Like if Denver's going to be, you know, a top four, top five seed in the West, they're probably going to get a pick in the 20s. There's probably not going to be room in the rotation for that guy next year anyway. We've seen that with Malik Beasley already. So like right. that, that asset has less value for them than it does another team, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I get I get what he's saying about that. Here's the thing, though. A first-round draft pick is also a trade asset. Yeah. So you do, you do lose out on that. I, I agree with Matt to his overall point about it, like if you keep the draft pick. But it's still a, a tool you can use to strengthen your team in some capacity, even mm-hmm. if you don't use it on a player. Yeah. And that's really what I'm against. Like in terms of acqu- you know asset acquisition, that's why it's so essential. Like, let's let's you know we'll talk about the Bulls a little bit later on. But like the OK rumored OKC to the, uh, the OKC trade with Melo going to the Bulls, mm-hmm. like that's centered around a 2022 first rounder. That's four years down the line. Like that presents value from now and four years forward. Like the Bulls could move that pick if that the deal is completed, obviously, and that's what they get. Like that pick could be moved from now and anywhere from now and, and four years, making it an asset, right. like a, a a trade asset, and that's why I don't think it's smart to give up those. But I get it. Like you have to pay to get you know stocky contracts off your cap. Like right. obviously, who's not? There isn't an NBA team out there going, oh, you know what? We like you so much, and we're gonna do it for free. <laughs> yeah, no, right. That's that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, we believe we're at, gonna unlock. Kenneth Farid. We're going to be the oh, team God. to make it work. Yeah. I will say as much, though. I 
kind of like when teams are put in the position where they have to pay because they've spent too much money mm-hmm. on bad players. Mm-hmm. Like you met, just mentioned Plumbly. Yeah. That, that's one bad deal. Right. So I, I really can't look at Denver as, oh, I you know, be schadenfroh or anything. Mm-hmm. But like teams who use money badly, like the Lakers did on Timothy Moskov and Luol Deng, mm-hmm. like having to sacrifice D'Angelo Russell, like you brought it on yourself. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like I don't have a problem with that overall because, yeah, I think it was dumb to sacrifice D'Angelo, but what can you do? Right. Yeah, you had it coming. Don't spend. You had money it coming. Poorly. Like then, don't don't spend dumb money. And again, this is going to be a thing. We just you just mentioned it like ten minutes ago, like the twenty nineteen market mm-hmm. is going to be absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. We're going to see teams overpay, mm-hmm. and in about eighteen months to twenty four months, so in, in a year and a half and two years, we're going to have this debate on this very podcast <laughs> about some team that really messed up a year from now. Right who have to pay up to get rid of some of their bad contracts. It's yep. going to happen. The The NBA is a circle. Yeah, it really is. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Uh, all right, let's go into some of the other signings that have happened in the past couple of days. This first one, we can't remember if we hit on it in the last episode, so apologies in advance if we did. But Yusuf Nurkic is re- re-signing with the Portland Trailblazers. Four years, $48 million. I'm shocked. That's a great value for Portland, right? Yep. Yeah, it is. Yep. We, we were... I don't remember where we were at when we had that episode almost a year ago. When we're doing the whole, what should this restricted free agent get? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I think we kind of settled in to, you know, 50, somewhere between 15 and 18 million. Mm-hmm. Someone out there can go back and find the episode <laughs> and, right. and retell it to us because we can't be bothered, apparently. Um, but but I think that's where we ended up. Yeah. For, for them to get him at 12, that's a huge deal. Yeah. Huge deal. I like his contract so much right now. And, and like that's going to go a long way in terms of how he plays. So if he mm-hmm. has a disappointing season, you go, well, it's only for, for $12 million. It's right. not for 24 Right, right. Yeah, I mean, he's only making $7 million more than Myers Leonard. Right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Which is, that's pretty big. Yeah. Like, I, I think yeah. that's all. It's That speaks for itself. Like, he's 23. He's going to be their starting center, presumably, for the next four years, ideally. Like... Yeah, you know yeah. he still has some serious upside. Yes, you'd like to see him get stretch out to three point range. Yes, he might get played off the floor against these smaller lineups with Golden State. Blah blah blah. But like, there is value in having a competent starting center to make it through an eighty two game regular season. Yeah. And then when you get into these small ball matchups, you figure it out. Maybe that's when you tap into a Myers Leonard or something, or maybe you just Zach Collins. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's no way they move him, right? Like when when you're so, on a, such a high value contract, like they keep him for all four years, right? I would hope so. 
I can't imagine like they. I think a team would have to overpay to get him on this good deal. Like this yeah. is an asset. This is what we're right. talking about in terms of assets. Yeah. A guy like that locked up for four years at that salary. Like I can't imagine Portland messing this up. Right. But unless, then again, unless they need it for like salary matching purposes and they're getting a good player in return, like they're not going to have right. to dump additional assets to get off of that deal. Exactly. Yeah. Like exactly. That's that's kind of my point and. Look good on Portland for finally spending their money wisely. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. To just just to I mean Evan Turner got 22 more million over the same amount of years. Yeah. Alan 2 Crab years got, ago. Alan Crabb got Jeez. 27 million more. <sighs> yep. <laughs> yep. That he did. Yep. Enough said. Uh Devin Booker. This one, man. So he did, he re-signed with Phoenix on a five-year max worth 158 million projected, based on the 109 million salary cap for next year. Um, I did a thing for the step back with Jeremy Lambert, where we debated uh, who you'd rather have on their respective max: Devin Booker at 158 or Andrew Wiggins at 148. <laughs> I, I took the Booker side; he took the Wiggins side. Neither oh, he, he didn't where feel that. Morton stand. Yeah, he didn't feel strongly about Wiggins. He was just like, which side do you want? And I was like, I want Booker. He's like, okay, fine. Uh, But holy shit, man. That was my first exposure to Devin Booker Hive on Twitter. It's real. Like, there are way Mm. more Suns fans out there than I anticipated. There there is, yeah. And I get it. Like, we, we talked about this just before we started recording. There are a lot of Devin Booker stands on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I kind of get it because, look. I, let me just preface this by saying I love the analytics crowd. Mm-hmm. Analytics is is a big part in educating oneself in basketball, in particular the NBA, because so many stats are available and you need someone to, let's be honest, dumb it down for people like me. <laughs> right, sure. That is a hardcore necessity. Yeah. And they, the, But the analytics crowd were too harsh mm-hmm. on Devin Booker over the first two years of his career. Yeah. Here he was, a 19-year-old coming into the league, and he was scoring, he was getting hype, and that continu- that scoring continued in the second season. And instead of really looking at his age and going, oh, he's actually producing greatly, he's just, like, there are certain there are certain severe lacks with him, yeah, but at that age, like, he, it's fine. Instead of doing that, it was like, oh, he's, not, he's, he's trash. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be good. Like, right. he's just horrible. What a, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I get where they were coming from. They were looking at it from a very deep statistical perspective. I get it. I get the whole shebang. Here's the thing, though. At this point, at this very recording, Devin Booker is has just completed his third NBA season, and he's just 21 years old. Yeah. He averaged 25 points mm-hmm. last year. 25. And you cannot tell me that a guy who averages 25 a game, who can play pick-and-roll basketball, and who is developing as a rebounder and developing as a playmaker mm-hmm. is not going to get better. Right. You cannot tell me that. Yeah. So you can debate all you want about the value of the contract. That's fine. If someone wants to argue, oh, he, he, he should have maxed out at 120 instead of 158, fine. That's I'm not going to go into that. I get it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But don't sit there and go, oh, that this guy shouldn't have been re-signed to anything remotely like like seventy million had been had been the max. Right. No, because he's he's twenty one, and in every year he's played, he's taken significant steps forward. Right. Like unlike Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Or I was gonna say he's not Zach Levine, basically. 
also that. Yeah. But yeah. let's stick with the Wiccans thing because that's what your article was. Right, right, right. Like right. people looked at the Wiccans and they saw, you know, the increased scoring. Where was everything else? Yeah. Like at least Booker followed up with, you know, being able to get to the line more, mm-hmm. increasing his free point of volume. Yeah. Like becoming better, like refining his on ball defense, refining his playmaking, getting more active vocally. Mm-hmm. Getting into the paint a little bit more often. Like, he did things that you could see during games that were, oh, he didn't do this last year. Whereas Wiggins, like, it was just higher volume and that was it. Right, yeah. There have been, like, steady signs of progress throughout Booker's career. Right. Yeah. There has. And and so, I have no problem with this contract. Yeah. I, I don't either. I mean, the, it, it begs the question of, like, what's the, alter- the alternative for Phoenix? You could say... They can push it off for a year, but then you risk pissing off Devin Booker. Then you risk him mm-hmm. going out, signing an offer sheet with another team that's shorter, lets him get into free agency. Like, what? Right. basically what happened with Gordon Hayward in Utah. He takes a four-year deal with a fourth-year player option. Then you just lost two years of team control on your best player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like you, I, I understand the arguments against it. His defense is not very good. It's um, not. You know, his his... His three-point volume, as you said, has gone up, but he's still his efficiency overall is not great. He shot forty-three point two percent last year. There, you know, maybe there's some concern of is he like just a good stats bad team guy and like he doesn't contribute that much to winning. But as you said, he's twenty-one years old. He just averaged nearly twenty-five points a night. I, I looked it up. He's the he's one of only four players in NBA history to have at least twenty-four points four assists, and four rebounds before turning 22. I think the other three, I'm pretty sure I have this right, was LeBron, T-Mac, and MJ. So, like, I'm not putting him in that conversation. You know, those three guys are all better than Devin, than I expect Devin Booker ever to become. But, like, he's just in rare statistical territory. And, again, maybe it's just a volume play. Maybe now that they have Aiton and maybe now that they have... Ariza and Bridges, those guys are going to take touches away from Booker. His stats are going to go down, and this contract's going to look worse in a year. Conversely, now that they have, now that he has like real teammates, and it, you know Josh Jackson's going to be a year older, and he's looking good in summer league. T.J. Warren's still good and underrated. Like the third best player on his team is not going to be Eric Bledsoe for three games. Like oh, that, that yeah. Phoenix team was a outright disaster last year so now that mm-hmm. he has real teammates there's a chance he gets better and they like don't have great options at the point right now it's brandon knight or elliot kobo and i both of us lo- love elliot kobo but like i'm not counting him as a great option as a rookie coming in um, right no absolutely so like absolutely. they're i'm assuming they're going to rely on booker more as a playmaker which he has yep. as you said he's grown significantly in that regard so like that was that was my whole thing when arguing for Booker versus Wiggins, it was, I get the argument, even now, I still get the argument for Wiggins. Like, in terms of physical tools, Wiggins, he, he, he like, it, you're perceiving him to have the higher ceiling, but at a certain point, it's like, he's four years into his career, when is he going to put it together? Whereas Booker, like, he is progressively putting it together. You are seeing progress every year. Mm-hmm. I I'm fine with it. I I like you. Yep. I just I don't have any problem with that deal. I, like a 
a Phoenix team that hasn't had a star since like Steve Nash and Amari. Like, what was the alternative? Agreed. There was none. Like Zach Levine, right? Like no, no. Yeah. Don't Jab- I mean Jabari? Jabari. Oh my god. No, but but like to your point, the assist percentage, mm-hmm. right? The year before last, so in the 2016-2017, his assist percentage was 16.3. Mm-hmm. Last season, 24.4. Yeah. And he did that while only increasing his turnover percentage by 1%. Man. That's crazy. That's that's good. Yeah. That shows a a at least a uh, an improved understanding of the game. Right. And I get the whole, you know, the the advanced metrics doesn't love him thing. I mm-hmm. get it. But there's more to it. Like, you have to combine both the factors. You can't just read basketball out from a spreadsheet. Right. Just as you cannot just watch basketball with your eyes and go, oh, that's good. No, right. you have to combine the two. Right. And right here, I think, I think Devin Booker is very interesting because you have a sort of a conflict. Like, the eye test is very positive. In, in, in regards to him, whereas the advanced metrics are not, mm-hmm. because he has these very, uh, should we say, open weaknesses. They're very obvious. Mm-hmm. But then he does so many things, like that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. That is just so amazing. Like the 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 just the spacing alone he provi- provides when he's out there when he's not on the ball. Like entire defenses are zoned in on him, right. looking for it. Yeah. That just carries so much weight, like down the down the line of the other players on the basketball court. Right. So we'll see. I mean, that that's really the best thing we can sum it up with. We'll see. I yeah. I'm I fully expect him to become an all star. I fully yep. expect him to become, you know, down the line better defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I expect him to become one of these guys who'll, you know, we'll see in the in the top th- five, top three, maybe even leading the league in scoring at one point. I mean. Look, I wouldn't even be surprised if he did it next year or this year. Right. I mean, this was, upcoming season. He he didn't qualify for the scoring leaderboard last year, but if he did, among all players, he was 10th in scoring last year. Right. At 21. Yeah. And, like, he's taking a steady, like, his, his volume of three-pointers has steadily increased each season. Mm-hmm. He went from 3.8 as a rookie, and he shot 34.3%. Last year he was at 7.1, and he's at 38.3%. And, again, it's like... Now that he has real teammates, teams aren't going to be able to double-team him every time. Like, they're going to have to double-team Aiton sometimes. They can't leave yep. Bridges and uh, Ariza open on the wing. So, like, I, I fully expect him, even if his scoring average goes down next season, which it might because, again, he's going to, like, share touches with Aiden, actual yeah. NBA players. Uh, <laughs> his, I would expect, I would hope, his efficiency to hit an all-time high. Yeah. Uh, he he had a true shooting percentage of fifty six, and I think a lot of, I think a lot of the backlash on him was he turns the ball over a lot, and mm-hmm. his true shooting percentage isn't you know sixty sure. or something elite like that, because we've grown accustomed now to some of the best perimeter players being able to have these seasons of you know true shooting percentage of sixty sixty three percent. Yeah, but let's just take a minute because that's insane. Like those guys are getting all that you know accolade because they are as is sufficient. Like he. It's fine if he doesn't become James James Harden. Right. Like, it's okay. Not everyone needs to be James Harden to be worth their contract. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Brooke Lopez is the next one. Going to the Milwaukee Bucks. One year, $3.4 million. I, I, is there anything else to say aside from I love this deal? It just fits, right? Yeah. Like, he's... 
you know, here's the thing with with Giannis, right? He needed shooters at more at more precisions, and now you have the ability to pluck him into a lineup where you your center is shooting threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> could you imagine, you know, Giannis in a spaced out offense? No, with like an actual coach and Mike Budenholzer rather than Jason right. Kidd or Joe Pronti. Right. Yeah, and you have Chris Middleton still there, being able to take on secondary ball handling. Mm-hmm. Man, I am I am really excited about the Bucks this year. I am too. Like I really think either the Bucks or the Pacers. It wouldn't totally shock me if they were a top three seed, not even top four. Like both of them are going to be competing for that four or five spot. But like, right. I am very very high on what both of those teams have done this summer. Um, I have no idea what the Lakers are going to do at center now. I kind of just assumed Lopez was going back there. So, like, are we really... JaVale? Yeah. Is it going to be JaVale McGee at center? Or is it going to be, like, Kuzma? Oh, God. Like, what well, are they going to do? Let, Okafor? Here's the thing, though. At least Kyle Kuzma won't see a minute at small forward this year. That's, that is true. Yeah, I just don't know. I guess Greg Monroe is still floating out there. Okafor... Oh my God, he is. Yeah, I had completely forgotten about Greg Monroe, and that's not to be cruel, but right, I had. Right. Yeah. I. I'm very, very intrigued to see what the Lakers are doing, et cetera. Because I. Well, I mean, look. If you have the opportunity to sign Lance Stevenson instead of retaining <laughs> your starting center, obviously you sure. do it. Or Julius Randle, yeah. Who, who oh yeah, yeah. Renounce Julius Randle so you can you can sign Rajon Rondo. Rondo. Yeah, yep. obviously. Right. Yep. Good choices all around. Um, yep. The Spurs declined to match Kyle Anderson's offer sheet with the Grizzlies, which is four years around $37 million. Are you surprised by that? Why don't we have Sarah on this podcast right now? Because <laughs> she would get fired. Oh, yeah, that's she, true. She is very smart. I think, honestly, this was like the her, her departure came at the perfect time because otherwise she would have <laughs> never gotten a job at the NBA had she been able to voice her opinions on what has happened with the Spurs over the past year. <laughs> it was like, it was actually just a stroke of perfect fortune for her. Yep. But, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, okay, so I I thought that was a good contract. I did too. Like, I, I don't understand why the Spurs would, would decline this unless they are... Like, as I stated on the last podcast, like, if they are just going, you know what, you know, mission clean slate. Right. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like they're sending very conflicting signals right now, or they aren't. I mean, but just media reports in general about their intentions with the Kawhi trade have suggested, especially from Zach Lowe, that, you know, like, Zach has argued they should be just straight up full on rebuild, but they reportedly don't want to do that. So if they don't want to do that... Kyle Anderson is a good player. It surprises me that they didn't match it, but they great pickup from Memphis, though. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, like every team in the West almost got better this summer, with like Mm -hmm. probably the exception of the Clippers. I don't know that they got that much worse, but just by virtue of like not keeping up in the arms race, they are going to fall back. And the Spurs. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I guess we'll we'll see what happens with Kawhi, but I mean, if if Kawhi comes back, they'll have gotten better for, compared to last year just by virtue of having <laughs> Kawhi true. Leonard on their team. Um, yeah. Speaking of the Clippers, Luke Mbamute going there on a one-year, four point three million dollar deal. It's that like, one I didn't get. 
Yeah, it's the other half of their... They use part of their mid-level exception on Mike Scott. This is the other part of it. Right. Those are two win-now moves. Like, mm-hmm. look, d- let me just preface this by saying, you know, Lugan Bamute at $4.3 million is a freaking steal. Yeah. That's completely fine. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. I just don't get what the Clippers are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Like, why not go hardcore after Mario Hisonia instead, who seems to fit your age bracket? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wrote about the Clippers for Give Me Sport. I don't know when it's going up, but um, basically... Well, our editor is in Las Vegas right, <laughs> right now, right, having right. very, very much fun at the buffet tables. So. Yes, yeah. I, I, I'll, yes, all due respect to Mark Deeks, I hope he is enjoying a good time in Vegas. The most debaucherous city in in the country. Um, yeah, I mean, so Steve Ballmer gave a quote to Zach Lowe in October of last year that basically said something along the lines of like, "I want to win. I don't like losing. I'm never going to go into a full tank because I think it sends a bad message to free agents." So I right. think that's the logic behind these moves. Like, if you look at the Clippers' top six, you've got. Beverly, they re-signed Avery Bradley. We've got Gallo, Tobias Harris, Marcin Gortat. You have Lou Williams. Now you have Luke Mbamute. You have Mike Scott. You've got the young kids. you got Shea and Jerome Robinson. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen with Montrez Harrell. Um, Sam Decker's still out there as well. So, like, they have a decent top six. It's like, but you know... Gallo is almost certain to get hurt for 20-plus games. Like, they're just going to fall out of the... They, they they can feign competitiveness, but then they're going to fall out of the playoff race and still get right. a top eight pick. And then next summer, this is what I wrote for them, is uh, next summer they can also create $70 million in cap space. So if you're looking for the next super team, it could be the Clippers. If Kawhi Leonard wants to go to L.A., but he doesn't want to play with LeBron... There's one other option, and they could That's get true. Kawhi Leonard plus another like another star. They could get Kawhi plus Kyrie or Kawhi plus Jimmy. Like the Clippers are going to have some serious options. Also, it just seems like since Jerry West came on board, mm-hmm. they are they're running their franchise a lot more uh, forward looking. Is the nicest way I could put it. Like logically, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that the Clippers are going to be major free agent players next year. So I think this this year they're basically like, let's tread water. Let's pretend to compete for a playoff spot. We know we're not actually going to be in contention, but you know we'll probably end up as like the third or the fourth worst team in the West, but we still could win 35 games, which is wild. Uh, it's wild that, that that could be the third worst team in the West. But, you know, like let's not go into let's not send the message to free agents that we are tanking how pissed off would Lakers fans be if the Clippers ended up with Kyrie Jimmy Butler and Kawhi <laughs> <laughs> like they, they would just totally oh, upstage man. the LeBron signing yeah I don't know if that's possible if uh, they traded for Kawhi this year and then dumped everything yeah i guess the the question is how they get off the gallo contract picks man yeah uh they pull a denver yeah i mean i guess 
Lou Williams is certainly movable. Right, right. Yeah, it would be tough. I guess if those guys are willing to take a slight discount, it would definitely be doable. But, man, that would be... Lakers' Twitter would break. Oh, my God. Yeah, could we talk about the Lakers for a second? I know we've talked about them a lot lately, but... I, I like that Lakers fans have just been in their feelings about everyone else pointing out that LeBron going there is, like, he prioritized other things aside from basketball. And, like, Lakers fans are just so pissed off about it. Like, Jerry West gave a comment, I think it was to Lee Jenkins, the Sports Illustrated, where he's like, look, the oh, Lakers, yeah, yeah. like, didn't have to work hard to sign LeBron James. Like, they they did nothing to get him. He just decided right, he, he wanted, wanted to, to LA. And, like... Yeah. Magic is there. Like, honestly, the thing they did is get Magic Johnson as their president. So he can, like, teach LeBron how to be, like, expand his business empire. But, like, he just wanted to move to L.A. His family wanted to move to L.A. He wanted to be affiliated with the Lakers brand. But, like, they didn't run their team well to go get him. And they're not in a better short-term spot to win a title than Houston or Philly would have been with LeBron. So it's like... He clearly prioritized other things. Of course he did. And you know what? If I'm a Lagos fan, I don't worry about it. No. I just go, well, awesome. Yeah. Then it's awesome that he chose us. Right. It's ugh. It's, yeah. it's just really well, funny. It's, uh, it's just weird. I think, look, it's the same with, uh, you know, they, they've been a struggling franchise for a while. Like, have you seen um, Knicks fans in, yeah. in regards to Kevin Knox right now? Yes. This, MVP. This, this MVP and, like... The guys on Twitter are saying, yeah. like, if we redrafted, like, the whole draft right now, would he go number one? I'm asking yeah. you guys seriously. Look, he, the thing is, I, I kind of get it. When when you have been a desperate franchise for so long and you finally get something that's very attractive, mm-hmm. you want to cling on to it as much as you can. And you fall in love so much easier mm-hmm. in that thing. Thing is... You know, you need to relax about it. That's not happening, but I at least I get why. Right. I get why it's happening. Like the psychological effect is real, especially with the Knicks fans. They've they've had nothing going for them for so long. Now they have a guy coming in being like second or third in summer league scoring. That's that's something that's good for them, and right. they and they look at that as this. It's you know the next coming of Michael. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, they do have Kristaps, but. They know that right. th- this season's going to suck because he's going to miss some or all of it. So, like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. With the ACL chair, just, like, that brought them all down. So now yeah. they have something, you know, to be excited about, and that's fine. But, it, yeah, it, it's unfortunate that, that these things are happening, and I just hope both franchises kind of cool down a little right. bit before right. the season. Because yeah. I don't want Knicks fans to come out and be disappointed with Kevin Knox averaging eight points a game in the first month. Right. Like, if that happens, like, he can still be a good player. Yeah. And it, conversely, with the Lakers, like, it, you still have LeBron, even if you n- might not be a favorite to win the title. You, st- right. you still have LeBron. You'll watch competitive basketball for the first time in years. Yeah. Like, like ima- don't overthink it. Imagine signing LeBron James and being butthurt about how the offseason went. Like, I don't yeah. care. I mean... You, you mean like we are when we <laughs> rag on the Rondo and, right. and the well, last I mean, sign? <laughs> yeah, but we're not Lakers fans, so luckily... This is true. We can poke fun at the other moves they've made. Uh, no, um, this is true. This is true. <laughs>
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. All right, let's get back to the sightings. James Ennis to the Houston Rockets. Two years. I haven't seen the terms. Presumably a minimum deal, though, because I think they're saving their taxpayer yep. MLE for a certain someone that rhymes with Schmarmello Schmanthony. Yep. Um, Who the hell is that? <laughs> second year player option on that deal for Ennis. Like, awesome. I like it. Awesome value. Yeah. Like he's a he's a fine player. He can score. He can board. He can hit threes. He's sneaky athletic. Oh, you know what? I just found myself saying sneaky athletic. That's a horrible term because everyone uses it. He's athletic. Right. Yeah. He's athletic. Yeah. Um. So if if they can channel that energy and the athleticism into being like a really tough-minded defender, good on Houston. Yeah. And I mean, it just goes to the point of like there were so many articles after. Ariza left and after Luke left it was like Houston's having the worst offseason and we named them losers in our last episode of the offseason so far right um and, and it was like I think Mark Stein was the one of the New York Times was like all right guys like let's pump our brakes a little bit there's still a long time between now and the February trade deadline or like the buyout deadline like mm-hmm. what Houston looks like now is not what they will look like going into the playoffs so, like, this NS signing was just a reminder that, like, all right, maybe our panic was a little bit overblown. Like, they're probably... Well, easy. Easy. It's still James Ennis, though. I know, like, but, this like... This is not a Trevor Reza replacement. Right. But this it's... is a Luka Bamute re- replacement. Yeah. Well, that's one half of the, what they needed to replace this summer. I, I mean, yeah, but, like, we don't really know how everything right. is going to pan out with Mello. Yeah. Who's obviously going to end up there. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, I I get it, I get it, but so far they've signed James Ennis. It's still a bad summer. Yeah, and right, it is. I'm just saying it's not like the sky is not necessarily falling for them. There's still a lot of time for right. them to fix what you know, find other role players to fill the roles at a reason. Absolutely, Luke they Clinton. have James Harden. The sky is not falling. Right, and they have Chris Paul. We'll see what happens with Paul. Clint Capella. It sounds like they are still pretty far separated in terms of qualifying offer i'm calling it qualifying yeah, I mean, offer there is so i think tim mcmahon of espn.com was the one who said capella wants a deal in like the four-year hundred million dollar range which is what guys like steven adams and rudy gobert got um jonathan feigen of the houston chronicle said on july 1st they offered him a five-year 85 million dollar deal that could have rose to 90 with incentives so, yeah, there's some separation there, and it's going to be really interesting to see. Well, not that much, though. Yeah, I guess it's like fifteen well, no, million total. Eighteen. If it if it's a ninety million dollar deal over five years, that's eighteen million, and then oh, over five. Yeah. Over oh, five. okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so it's yep. like it's still that's a seven right. million dollar gap. Yes, absolutely. I was just yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. if it was over four, yeah. Stop haggling. Like, just right. Cave to just 95 get... and call it a day. But 
Exactly. No, okay, makes sense. Yeah, I don't get why uh, Houston is, is trying to lowball him here. Is that like comp? Like, is, is the, are they trying to, you know, s- level out the the CP three overpay? I think so. Yeah, just trying yeah, to. They, you shouldn't do that. Right. Like, just pay the bill. Yeah, I know. It's it's interesting that you know we said this going into the summer. Like, Tillman Fertitta was not the owner when they traded for CP three. He said he was going to pay the luxury tax, but and he is going to whenever he signs Copella, he, they will be in the tax, but. It does seem like he's getting a little skittish about that tax bill. And Unless, like, of course, the qualifying offer is picked up, then right. they won't. And if he leaves next year, they won't. I think they still go into the tax with if he picks up the qualifying offer. It won't be much, but... Oh, okay. But then, we, yeah, it would be pocket change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like yeah. a, a couple million over. but And then yeah, when yeah, they yeah. get mellow, that'll be a little bit more. Um Wayne Ellington is going back to Miami on a one-year $6.2 million deal. My only question is, like, how did no one outbid Miami for that? Right. Um, first of all, I'm just surprised that Miami understands that there is an alternative to actually paying <laughs> someone for four years. Yeah, right. I, I, that's, I, that's what I'm left with. I'm very impressed that they understand the mechanisms of contract creation, that they can actually sign a guy for one year. Sure. Here's the kicker, though. This is a guy who I would probably actually sign for more than one year. Mm. Yeah. Especially because you're not going anywhere with all those contracts. Right. You're not going anywhere anyway. Sign him up. He's one of the league's best shooters. Uh, I, I cannot, like you said, I cannot believe someone else didn't outbid for, for his services. Like he got $6.2 million. The, A team out there could easily just, you know, offer eight. Yeah, like float the non-taxpayer mid-level. Right. Yeah. Like, let's not play around and say he's not worth it. No, no, he's definitely worth it. I know. It's it's one of those things where it's like, these are the types of signings when we say on July 1st, when you see an Ersan Ilyasova get that, like... Wait, didn't Marco, Be- Marco Bellinelli got two years, 12 million, didn't he? From the yeah, Spurs? Yeah. Like, who would you rather have on a... Would you rather have Marco Bellinelli on two years twelve or Wayne Ellington on one year six? I don't think it's even close. Uh, no, uh, actually, well, I don't. I don't have an answer for that because I'm looking at it. Marco is more of a playmaker. Ellington is just like the spot up shooter. But here's the thing: his high volume is insane, so he just breaks up so many zones. Who Who do you got? Since you're saying it's a no brainer, I think it's, I think it's Ellington. I don't think it's close. <sighs> yeah. I don't think I, I. I think it is close. I think mm-hmm. it is close because you're getting more in Bellinelli. I might just be scarred from like how relentlessly Boston targeted Bellinelli in the playoffs. I think you are. Yeah. Because he can handle. He's yeah. also a, a slightly better defender than Ellington is. You know he's he's I I feel he's a better passer. There are just more. He can handle the office. Like you can have him dribble the ball up, initiate. You can actually ask him to play on the ball more extensively. So I think there is an added element of value. Having said that, like because of their age, both are are well over 30. Or wait, is this Ellington just did he just turn 30? Uh, I'm not sure. I had a feeling both were like 32, but if if there's a significant age gap, Let's then see. I would go Ellington. Ellington is he just turned thirty last October, so he'll all be right, thirty-one. All right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then I, I'm, I, I, I don't think it's, 
it's a no-brainer, but I will say that that does it for me. Ellington as well on my part, but Bellinelli is good. Like, you of all people should know, even though he was targeted. Yeah. Like, he saved your ass on so many occasions. I know, but it was that was just like a lot of it. it, it Bellinelli just felt so fluky the entire time. Like, he takes these Oh, that's just who he is. He's shots. Italian. <laughs> yeah. But he just takes, like, such bad shots, and you know they're going to dry up at some point. And then when they do, you're just like, oh, well, we uh, we saw this coming. Whereas Ellington, yeah. it's like, you're right. He is more limited in what he can do, but I think he's better in that role. Like, do you mm. want Bellinelli initiating your offense that much? If, you, if you're in that position, you're probably in trouble. Oh, yeah, you screwed either way. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Like, if if for a team to run on, you know, maximum effort and all that, yes, Ellingson is by far the easier plug-and-play guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap up then with the Chicago Bulls, who right. have, <laughs> have done a bunch of things that just seem to suggest a bigger move is coming. Uh, they right. were involved in the saddest trade possibly in NBA history. <laughs> uh, it was a three-team blockbuster in which Bismack Biombo got sent back to Charlotte. Timofey Mozgov is going to the Magic. Jerry and Grant is going to the Magic. And Julian Stone's non-guaranteed contract went to Chicago. So from right. Chicago's perspective, they were just clearing Jerry and Grant's salary. And then as we mentioned at the top of the episode, they on Thursday rescinded David Nawaba's offer sheet uh, or sorry, his qualifying offer. Um, it sounds like, according to Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, that their plan is to use that cap space to absorb someone, and then they'll try mm-hmm. to re-sign him with the room mid-level exception. Right. That said, there was a report, I think it was from David Aldridge of uh, NBA.com, that a bunch of teams have already been sniffing around him, the Lakers and the Spurs among others. Memphis, Memphis, Memphis too? as well. I, I know that actually, if um, if if Kyle Anderson had been matched by San Antonio, uh-huh. Memphis would have presented an offer sheet uh, to to, to David Nwaba. I'm not sure about the worth. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, uh, I I even think Casey Johnson actually reported it a, a few you know a few days later after I heard it. Mm. So so yeah, um, that that to me was just when I heard that. I was like that. That he's such a Memphis player. Yeah, it would make complete sense. Oh, I mean, he, I would love. He would have been the new age uh, Tony Allen. He would have been really fun there. You know who I'd loved him to see him go to, New Orleans. Oh, because they just yeah, need a wing right? so badly. And he's even though he's six four, he's so strong right. and athletic that he can play the three. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good one. I don't that's think a good. It, one. I don't think it's possible, but. I'd like to see it. But mm-hmm. what do you think is coming down the pike? Because, as you, yeah, Casey Johnson reported the internal assumption is that a big move is coming. You think it's just a mellow salary dump? It seems that way because the numbers kind of line up now mm-hmm. to a Cristiano Felicio for Carmelo Anthony trade. Yep. Now, what's interesting is we don't really know what's attached. So let's get right. into the numbers a little bit. If if the OK, if OKC decides to to wave and stretch Carmelo Anthony, mm-hmm. he's going to be on their cap for three years at nine point three million. Mm-hmm. Um, Cristiano Felicio is earning about eight million a year mm-hmm. over the next three. So you can say like if you look at it through that those mm-hmm. glasses, like is it nine point three compared to eight? Mm-hmm. But. 
Cristiano Felicio would be an active player who <laughs> right. actually gets traded. <laughs> right, right. So he could get salary dumped at a later date. Yeah. Or he could actually turn into something good there. And, so there's that element to it. And I'm seeing now, his salary actually decreases every it year. It does. So that's another that's a, thing. That's another asset. Okay, see. Yes, he is becoming easier and easier to move as his contract progresses because the cap is going to rise. So his his percentage cap hold right. is going to decline every year. Yep. Okay. So the Bulls cleared just enough for that deal to work. Mm-hmm. So the debate now is, what's a fair return? Right. Like what is what is okay? What are OKC going to send to Chicago for the Bulls to absorb Melo's deal? That was my next question. Yeah, well, I don't know. That, <laughs> there are several things in play. You could you could consider the 2022 first rounder. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: a lot of people are mentioning, well, if they take back Cristiano Felicio, who has you know another three years left on his deal, a 2022 first rounder might might prove too rich. And mm-hmm. I get the logic in doing that, or in saying that at least. Then there's the whole Terrence Ferguson plus some second rounders option. Uh huh. Which is intriguing, and it would give Gar Foreman a chance to say, "Well, we look at it as having gotten another, you know, first round <laughs> draft pick." Yep. Um, so I think those are the two options at play. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine the Bulls doing all of these things just for a second rounder. Right. I cannot imagine it. Yeah. Like Sean Kilpatrick, you didn't need to move him now, or didn't you? Didn't need to to cut him now. He was like on a non guaranteed salary for uh, pretty far ahead in the future. Like mm-hmm. you could have waited. Right. And he was he's like a, he's not a bad player. Yeah. Someone is going to pick him up. Yeah, and the same thing with Nawaba. Like Nawaba for, yeah, for sure. Like he was honestly he was the Bulls second best player. <laughs> right. Yeah, you you've been very much on team they need to re-sign him and he's going to be a steal. Right. So And now I'm on the entire league is not watching if right. this guy is on the market for long. Yeah. So yeah, I agree that it does seem like a mellow deal is the most likely. I mean, I thought Denver, it was you know it was clear that Denver needed to get off of those deals. I thought Denver was a possibility too, but clearly they dumped that onto Brooklyn already. There's still like, Luol Deng's still out there, Ryan Anderson's still out there, Evan Turner's still out there. There are other teams that want to dump salary, but all of right. those guys are still on two-year deals. If the Bulls really do fancy yeah. themselves as 2019 free agent contenders they may be less inclined to do that. Right. Here's the thing about the Bulls there. Whenever they, they kind of make it transparent through the media what plan they're on, right. it's always like a, 20, a 20, 2008, 2010, 2014, whatever plan. Mm-hmm. And whenever that, you know, the year of the plan has sort of been revealed mm-hmm. publicly, they always stick to it regardless. Like, it's just, like it's like white on rice. Mm. So I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. Meaning, I don't think it's a Luol Dan contract. Yeah. Or it's a Ryan Anderson. Besides, if it was, you wouldn't have to uh, rescind Nawaba. You wouldn't have to move or, or cut Sean Kilpatrick. Mm-hmm. So all these things just line up perfectly for a mellow deal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So what's the lowest you would take him back for if you were the Bulls? The absolute lowest? Like if I'm pressed... To my very means, yeah. Terrence Ferguson and a second rounder. Interesting, but that's the that's the lowest, and uh, and even then, I would look back at that whole endeavor, 
and I would go, if I end up losing David Nwaba for this, right. ultimately, because right now, he's fair game. Yeah. Then I would hate it. Yeah. Every part of it, I would hate. If I get Nwaba back, however, that's a different story. Right. So if we if we acknowledge like the uncertainty of the David Nwaba thing, 2022 unprotected first round draft pick. Wow. Interesting. Well, I was going to say, like, the Denver trade probably set the market for what to expect. Like, it's yeah. probably going to be protected, protected. somewhere yeah. in, like, the top 10 to lottery range. Right, but remember, this is a reflection of how what I feel about David Nawaba. Right, 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 right. Because yeah. if I lose him because of that, yeah, I know that that's, it's, it doesn't work out like that, obviously. Right, right. Like, you have to look at it, for, you know, in, in a vacuum. But I'm saying that if if the Bulls lose him, it better be for an unprotected 2022 pick. Mm-hmm. It better be. Um, yeah, like th- that's where we, that's where I stand on it personally because it just wouldn't make sense otherwise. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I, I I have a feeling the reason we're saying it's a 2022 first is because OKC already owes a 2020 first, I believe, to the Magic. That is that pick's been traded like fifteen times already, but I think that was the one Philly sent to the Magic last year for Pesetchniks, and uh, yeah, I think that's the one they got from. That's the one they got for for Nerlens, I think the mm. the fake first. It's like top twenty protected, but because of the Stepien rule, they can't trade a first rounder. OKC cannot trade a first rounder until twenty twenty two, which is you're, you're not right saying, because they didn't they ha- they don't have one on their. On their books, right? Like if yeah. they acquired one right. beforehand, they right. yeah, they could. Exactly. But yeah, you're not saying like you want it to be in the 2022 draft. It's just like that's the reality. Exactly. That's the earliest. If I had a choice, 2021. Yeah. Right. Obviously. Yeah. But here's the thing that's interesting about 2022. At that point, Russell Westbrook is not going to be as good as yeah. he is right now. Right. He's going to be 34. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Somewhere around there, 34. Yeah. yeah, 34. Paul George is also going to be, like, in, in his start 30s. Well, he'll be off their books, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, but he would just have completed that last year. Oh, yeah. He signed for so that right, So his right, impact right. from the season yeah, well, led to the draft pick. Would... If he picks up the player option. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I forgot he had a player option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's three plus one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, the 2022 is is definitely interesting. Right. I don't know. I I think that's the one in play. I think that's the most realistic one, but I do agree with you that I think it's going to be protected. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the protection. If you were the Bulls, and it was the 2022 pick protection-wise, how low would you go on the protection? I mean, obviously, ideally, you would love it to be unprotected. I think, right. based on what Denver did, I think top 12 is probably the fair top 12, top 10. Like, I don't think I would do it for a lottery-protected one. No, right? I wouldn't either. Yeah. And and here's the thing. Like, OKC saves a lot more money than Denver did. Right. It's like $100 million versus 50 or whatever. Is it still $100 million if Felicio is, is coming back? I think I, it's a little less, though. I thought it was if they stretched him, it was $100 million. Which would be oh, effectively yeah, the then same. it's even more. Yeah. Oh, okay. Really? I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was a hundred million if a team absorbed his entire deal. Oh, I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think that because they're, I'm pretty sure they're in the repeater tax right now, if memory serves yeah. correctly. So I think because of Sounds that, right. 
Um, okay. Yeah. Either it's, way, it's, a ridiculous it's yeah, it's significantly more than what Denver shaved, and yeah, you can. I mean, from the Bulls' perspective, getting out of Felicio's deal is like that is also Positive. valuable, especially if you're going for free agents next year. Like that, right? That's a plus. You shave you shave eight million or eight point two million off your cap sheet for twenty nineteen twenty. So, which could be spent on David Nwaba. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I'd say probably like top. Say top twelve protected is the lowest I would do it for, but I would love it to be top ten, top five unprotected anywhere in that range. Is there a world when they could go like top fifteen or top lottery protected for twenty twenty two? Oh, and if then it's like not convey decreasing yeah, protections, decrease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as it it needs to not be a bullshit fake first, like what the Sixers got for Nerlens. It can't be like. No, no, no. It, just, it should never convert year. to a second rounder. Right. Should never convert like to to a second rounder. Should right. be like lottery protected 2022, like top ten protected twenty twenty three. Yeah, uh, and then down the line until like literally unprotected. Right, like top five twenty twenty four, unprotected twenty twenty five, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because you know, we, I was DMing you this morning about this. Like, it seems as though. One and Dunn's from all of the reporting will be removed in 2021. So that draft class projects to be especially loaded because you're going to have all of the one and Dunn's from that class plus all right. the guys coming straight out of high school. But like at a certain point, especially some of the college guys are going to say, well, if we come back for a year, like we're, we're not going to be competing with as much talent in next year's draft class. Like, I might be... Right, we're not going to get screwed. <laughs> right, like, I might be, like, a, the number 25 pick in this class, or I could be, like, a, the number 12 pick in next year's class. So I'm going to come back next year. Like, I, I think there's... Mm-hmm. I think you... Teams should be going after 2021 first right now, but I think there's also value in going after 2022. So I, I actually yep. think that pick... It, like, if I'm... If I was Chicago, even if OKC had their own 2020 pick... I would prefer one after the one and done cutoff. I would prefer the 2022 one over the 2021. So I'm going to interrupt you because here's something interesting. Oh boy. T Wolves All Star Jimmy Butler has officially turned down the Wolves' four year, $110 million range extension offer. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. He, he can make a lot more. It's like, it's the same thing. This was overblown when Kyrie said he was turning down the Celtics offer. Like, all of these guys right. can make. A shit ton more by becoming free agents. What What's interesting to me though is he is sort of gambling on himself again mm-hmm. after the meniscus. meniscus. Tear. Yeah, that's true. I, I think he just hates it in Minnesota. I don't think he wants. To I stay wouldn't there. be surprised. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he wants to team up with Kyrie. I think there's legitimate truth to that because the Bulls, we were just talking about the Bulls. Mm-hmm. They they were actually rumored to be able to get Kyrie. Kyrie actually wanted right. to go to Chicago right. to play with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and then instead they traded Jimmy. And instead, they just traded Jimmy because bulls. I don't know <laughs> because, because bulls bulls because bulls. Yeah. Um, all right, that's probably a good place to wrap up. We will do, barring any major surprises over the weekend, we were planning to do a summer league pod uh, before I head out on vacation, and then we will have at least one pod go out toward the end of next week. A very special surprise, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, and then, oh yeah, and then hope, we've been teasing about that for a while. We now. have, yeah. We could, we we're finally gonna let it, let the beast go. 
Um, and then, yeah, hopefully Mort and I are actually going to meet in person in about a week and a half. So. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> well, no, we, we will meet in person, barring... I'm looking forward to, like, the 23rd. We'll sit there, we'll have breakfast prepared, and you don't show up. Yeah, like, right. Hey, <laughs> hey, you know what? We, we want to be in Denmark. We don't want to meet, you, meet up with you anyway. So I was yeah. going to say, like, as long as there's no catastrophic plane crash, knock on wood, uh, we will be meeting each other in a week and a half, but hopefully we will remember to do a, a live podcast then, so... Lots of fun around the corner. Uh, but until then, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I'm going to go back to watching Wendell Carter Jr. destroying Summer League competition. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Wendell Carter talk in our next episode. So, every- And rightly so. <laughs> right. Everyone get excited. Honestly, you could just re-listen to our old podcast in which Mort already told you Wendell Carter was going to be good. Which one? There were quite a few. I know. That's what I'm saying. Just go back to any, just, yeah, go any back. pre-draft podcast yeah. you probably and, and also if it. you want to hear about Wendell Carter I just recorded a podcast with Mark Karen Sulis oh, last nice. night where we did talk but that was mostly uh Bulls specific summer league he it was overall Bulls HQ podcast so I'm there on the last episode if you're interested awesome yeah give that a listen all right have a good weekend Mort. you too Brian Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance hi it's jamie progressive number one number two employee leave a message at the hey jamie it's me jamie this is your daily pep talk i know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group mad harmony but you will bounce back i mean you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the name your price tool it should be you giving me the pep talk now get out there hit that high note and take mad harmony all the way to nationals this year sorry it's pitchy Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.